network where shenanigans are afoot. I'm the doctor here with the Crown crew, the Anglophile crew, back to cover season four of The Crown. I am here with Ty, friend of the sh- Ty, friends of the show Ty and Asia Rowe, and my fellow Supergirl MTR Network buddy, Shanna. Say hello, everybody. Hello. We are- hello. We are here to talk about one of the long-awaited seasons of The Crown that gave us Princess Diana entering the fold and the Charles, Camilla, Diana, and whoever else was in the the rotation uh, parallelogram. Charles did not have hoes like that. <laughs> I think they Camilla was, had they, more hoes they, than Charles had. They tried to say Diana did. <laughs> yeah, they tried to keep that rotation going. They really tried to make. I hate the. Okay, I'm not saying that she doesn't have a right to have a rotation. I am saying I don't appreciate them basically trying to call, intimate that she was a hoe because she had many different. Exactly. Partners. I didn't. I didn't like what they were implying with that. I mean, if you were her, it makes sense to have multiple lovers because you can't, any guy who gets too comfortable, gotta go. Yeah. Like, it's that simple, you know? And she wasn't like Charles, where Charles was trying to be like, you know, I, <laughs> why don't my my wife and my mistress become best friends? Like, don't you think Camilla would... <laughs> And you would be BFF. You know, like she wasn't trying to do that. <laughs> so he did try that, didn't he? He really well, did. Well, yeah, right. Well, go go get lunch. Have a conversation. Y'all become friends. It'll be wonderful. Hey, Camilla's Camilla's lovely. You'll love Camilla. She's a great friend. She's a great friend. She's she's a riot. She's a hoot. <laughs> This is the best I get to do my British accent. This is going to be great, y'all. Oh, no. <laughs> Ezra, what were your thoughts on this season? I I enjoyed the season, maybe because I, I love the political intrigue, and I'm pretty familiar with that time in British history. Mm. I know that they take a lot of um, liberty, shall we say, with the inner workings of the family, but I loved it. It was quite entertaining, and the acting was really superb. Yeah. Uh, so I have a question because at the vi- how do I want to put this? Like I know that um like the palace put out, well, this is obviously a work of fiction, right? And I can't help but wonder if, you know, and everybody jumped to the conclusion that they were talking about Diana. And I kind of joke, I kind of joked on that too, right? Like, oh yeah, for Diana was so much worse. But in rethinking about what we saw this season, we also saw the relationship between Thatcher and Queen Elizabeth. We saw how, from Thatcher's perspective and how the crown portrayed it, that behind the scenes, the royal family was just a bunch of inbred hicks, you know, with the games that they played and the ways they behaved and stuff like that. So my question for you is not obviously what's true or what's false. We don't know that, but what were your thoughts on that portrayal? Because up until now, we hadn't seen them be really that crass. I mean, 
Okay, full disclosure, Shanna has never watched The Crown. Shanna watched The Crown this season because Diana is my homegirl <laughs> and this is like the period in history I actually kind of sort of know something about. So I was like, oh, we jumping in. <laughs> like season four, we're in this. I was really surprised because the way I've always thought of the queen, I've thought of her as being like very shrewd, very... Um, calculating about the image that is put out and very um, in the know about what's going on uh, within her palace walls, right? Like that was how I've always kind of heard of her being. Um, And I was really surprised because I was like, she don't know nothing that's going on with her family. Like she has no flipping idea. And clearly, clearly underestimated how in love Charles was with Camilla. Because Charles was sabotaging that marriage left and right for Camilla. And so I think I was just really, really surprised because I was like, this is not the queen I've heard her being. Mm. Um, and and we kind of talked a, a little bit about it because I was like, am I crazy? And I, I do think it's going to change after everything that happens with Diana. But I was just really, really surprised because I was just like, she doesn't, like, I think it would be one thing if they portrayed her as like knowing, but being like, you got to get over it. (laughs) But they really like portrayed her like she didn't know that Anne was having an affair. She didn't know how much Charles was in love with Camilla. I was just like, she didn't realize how much of a dick that Andrew was. Didn't realize that, like, maybe if she just gave Diana a fucking hug and, like, talked to her like a human being and, like, a daughter, <laughs> that maybe she wouldn't be losing her mind. Like, yeah, I just was really surprised. I was like, girl, it'd be one thing if you don't care, but it seems like you're just really ignorant. And then we get to see more with Edward and Anne, and Andrew is her favorite. So that, I would say hopefully they'll feed more into that in the following season. But again, as I mentioned earlier, just the political intrigue, I really wish they had had a little bit more about Ireland because we saw the whole bombing of Mountbatten. So we saw a little bit of influence of IRA, but we didn't get too much into that um, as far as Thatcher and the relationship of that. But I have to remind myself, this is not about Thatcher. This is still the crown. So it's not going to show the whole, you know, evolution of Thatcher. It so, showed, those man, are my quick thoughts. I was going to say it showed enough of her... Yeah, never mind. <laughs> Sorry, you tied what were your thoughts? So, I would say that this this season reminded me that the Queen is not very good at mothering. Like, that's not her core competency. No. Um, and I think it's a, a part of it is that not only did she not know, I don't think she cared to know or knew that she should know. Like, I, I didn't know if it was just like negligence or she just didn't know these were things that she should be checking in on. Not until she and Philip had that conversation. Um, I think she also misunderstood how everyone looks at the word duty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really believe that she thought that Charles understood that in just like the Queen Mother said, it love is not does not factor into this. It's about duty, and I do think that she underestimated Charles's ability to do that. 
I would have liked more time with Margaret, uh, more time with Margaret and the Queen. I loved, you know, how they put those two characters often in contrast of each other. Uh, and I loved how the season started with the uh, murder of Mountbatten. I loved that. I really loved that. Um, but the whole thing about Charles's great grand great great grandfather and Camilla's great great grandmother being in love, and her great grand great great grandmother being a mistress, and Camilla being the mistress was too much. I would I would have been like, you know what? We got to break this curse because this ain't working. <laughs> That's not working out for us. Somebody, I did hear, I heard online somewhere where someone said that, you know, we can shit on Charles because Charles was pretty shitty to Diana. He was a shitty first husband. But the fact that they hung in there until they were allowed to be married how many decades later? I mean, they they meant that shit. (laughs) No. Look, I'm not mad that Charles, like, truly 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 loved camilla i'm not i'm mad like like clearly clearly yeah i just think two things one as i I don't believe that she loved him as much as he loved her not at all not at (laughs) all because she wasn't ready to leave her husband like you know like she was like even before diana she was like um i mean i'm chilling i'm cool she got (laughs) she got married to that man yeah. while they were supposed right. to be together. Exactly. And then the other thing is he didn't just because he wanted to be with Camilla didn't mean he had to treat, treat Diana the way he treated her True. in order to like get to that that end. And so that's my thing is I'm just like I mean there was clear there's clearly a, a deep love there but it's like Y'all didn't have to go about it like that. Like everybody grown. Like not everybody grown except for Diana. Y'all grown. He <laughs> wasn't grown. I, I think the, the reason why Charles and Camilla works is because Camilla knows to play the back seat. Yeah. She's never gonna be out here. Camilla was never gonna be winning any hearts and minds in the press. And Diana's fault, and I don't think it's Diana's fault, but what happened to Diana was that people who fell in love with her in a way that Charles felt minimized. So this relationship did to him romantically what I think his biological relationships always did to him, make him felt, make, made him feel minimized. And Camilla's the only person who's never done that, or so, or so he says. So. Right. Yeah, absolutely. She was, I think, a safety zone for him. But it's interesting because, as you said, she didn't leave her husband when her husband, I guess, went on to marry somebody else and they were all friendly and, and, you know, in in reality. So it seemed like it was a nice little arrangement, shall we say, that they all have. And the only person who seemed to suffer from it was Diana. Well, it's, well, it's also because they didn't like really give her a choice. Like I think, or like, or they weren't upfront with her until after she had already become disillusioned. Like it seemed like she she really thought she was getting it's it's Sansa Stark. Hmm. It's it's exactly Sansa Stark, where she thinks she's 
living out of fairy tale. She's getting married to this man. She's getting the big wedding. She's becoming a princess, like all these things. And the whole time, it's like what he really wanted was just a, a wife to be there while he continued to have his affairs. She thought she was getting a family. She thought she was getting a husband, um, a partner. You know, she obviously very much so loved her kids and like wanted to like, be a mom um mm -hmm. but like other than that aspect of her life she didn't get any of the things she thought she was getting by marrying into that family that does remind me i thought it was really interesting the contrast between her and her mothering and the queen's mothering not that diana wasn't out there you know going to events and doing her thing and traveling without the children but the importance of seeing the children often enough was pretty much and it, it showed that they were trying to kind of put it in contrast with the queen. Yeah. This is someone who can, you know, do both things and wants to be a mother while the queen wanted to be a mother, but not in that, you know, hands-on way. Also, I'd say the queen is sort of stuck in the Victorian era in some ways, but that's bound to be basically based on her age and what she, the, the mores of her time were. So. And that's that what, was interesting to me. And I was going to say with that, Asia it's not so much that she didn't want to be. I don't think she knew how to be a modern yeah. mother. She knew, and not even just a modern mother, a mother, to mother like a commoner. Because if we're honest, the way folks reacted to the way Diana was parenting was because she was parenting like a commoner. She didn't want to take off for a year and leave her infant son behind. And then he come back talking about some, and the baby looking at her like, new number, who this? You know, like, I don't even know who you are, lady. Um, and so for her, it's like, it's about the position. She is the position. And I, it's funny because she took the position and forgot to be a human being. I'm not talking about the real queen right now. I'm just talking about the show queen. Because as, as much as I love Claire Foy, and as much as I love Olivia Coleman, we're seeing someone who finds it very uncomfortable for the most part to step outside of that role. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought and it was really interesting. Go ahead. Hi. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I just thought it was really interesting how it, they were very clearly to me juxtaposing <clears throat> her against Diana and her against Margaret Thatcher, mm -hmm. but in a way that didn't feel like this is women and cat fighty and like that. It was just kind of like, yeah, like there are some obvious differences in how they exhibit womanhood and motherhood. Um, and it has to do with, you know, where they come from. Um, and, and at times it did feel like, you know, Elizabeth was made to feel uncomfortable by both women yeah, because of, one how they led and one how they mothered um and and presented to the public um and so i just i just thought that was interesting i i liked that we got to see some like comparison of women that didn't feel like cat fight yeah. <laughs> no and i don't think it was ever going to be that but ty you go first because i know you wanted to say well, I was going to say, it's also three women at three different points of time, right? I mean, this is three different views into mothering. I mean, like, Margaret Thatcher really loves strong children and doesn't like weak ones, according to the crown, right? right. So I think if we were talking to her daughter, we would have a whole different take on mothering, right? 
And I think that at the same time, Diana, yes, a commoner, but I think motherhood was also central to her view of herself. And I think that if I think back to season one, a lot of those things were beat out of Elizabeth by her mother and her grandmother who made her, who said to her almost at every day, hey, you're too young, you're a child, but at the same time, you're not even human. It's, you're, you're the sovereign. Like so when you, right, when you're, what do you do when your grandmother kneels before you and says, this is how life should be? Right. Yeah. It sends you a letter that tells you that the old person must die mm -hmm. and now you must be the sovereign. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. Still one of the most epic like narrations of all time, I gotta say. Yes. <laughs> yes. You're absolutely right. It was almost gonna be impossible for her to mother the way that Diana did. I mean, again, Diana sent her children to private school. It wasn't if she was like with them every single day. Let's let's be clear. But there was still that, you know, more nurturing sort of closeness there. And then Margaret Thatcher, and I love that, that she was cooking for, you know, her her whole cabinet, you know, with in this small apartment because number ten you see it in the films the way it's constructed or shown is that, you know, a lot of it is workspace and then they have this little apartment. So imagine a woman in her position feeling the need to make like ketergy and whatever other meals she was making. That was part of her, her, I don't want to just say performance, but the way that she showed her femininity. And as you said, Taya, her favorite was her son, who she quote unquote thought was strong, who we all know has been, was a mercenary. I mean, he has an interesting past too. So it's, it depends on the child, I would suppose, as well, and what they view the child as. But, yeah, very so, interesting. Just to back up, Shanna, do you know what speech we're talking about? Did you see season one? Of course not. I haven't seen nothing. Okay. <laughs> is that, are, you willing, are you willing to listen? Because this speech is everything. It's only two minutes. You got two minutes to give me? Yeah. It's so good. Hold on. Here you go. Yes. Oh, wait, I don't know if this, this is, oh yeah, she's about to read it now. Dearest Lilibet, I know how you loved your papa, my son. And I know you will be as devastated as I am by this loss. But you must put those sentiments to one side now, for duty calls. The grief for your father's death will be felt far and wide. Your people will need your strength and leadership. I have seen three great monarchies brought down through their failure to separate personal indulgences from duty. You must not allow yourself to make similar mistakes. And while you mourn your father, you must also mourn someone else, Elizabeth Mountbatten, for she has now been replaced by another person, Elizabeth Regina. The two Elizabeths will frequently be in conflict with one another. The fact is, the crown must win. Must always win. Ready, ma'am. It's all right. I'll just hold it up and then. No, sir, if you don't mind. 
crown takes precedence. Now, mind you, she had just gotten back to England after immediately hearing about her father's death. So she ain't even seen the body. She just landed. And that was Philip trying to walk her out. And the folks was like, uh-uh, nah, player. She, you know, she the captain now. You got to hang back. She got to go first. But it's also interesting because that's similar to the letter that Charles gets. From Lord Mountbatten, that, yeah. The one that pushes him to marry Diana. And... It, <laughs> I don't know, maybe he read the, the, the letter wrong, but he was like, <laughs> he, I think he, 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 he did the engagement and then everything from then on was shade. Like the, the friggin' interview where he says, uh, what is love? <laughs> Whatever love is. Yeah. Whatever, Whatever love, love maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and then like I mean he was getting matching uh jewelry for yes. him and Camilla yes. like for his wedding day like he and, took all the wrong distance and, and you know and it goes it goes back to what you said earlier though it wouldn't have been so bad had Charles not been a shit but I might have kind of understood it if Charles was also 19 years old at the time Charles was a right. grown ass man with a good start on a good pension. If he was a working person, what are you doing, sir? <laughs> so I agree with all of that. The thing about Charles is that Charles's understanding of what duty is, and then it has to always be put up against how much attention Charles gets. And I don't think, and I think the one thing that Camilla told Diana that she possibly couldn't hear because it's coming from Camilla was that Charles has to be the first like there is no there's nothing else that's the only way Charles knows how to have someone in his life and his mother tells him that in the last episode like in that episode 10 at Christmas where she cusses him out and cusses out uh, Diana. <laughs> Diana like Stop being a 12-year-old child, be an adult, and this is the world that you live in. If you want to be king, act like it. This marriage has to last, period, in the statement. Get your Christmas present. I will also say this, though. The other problem, and it just hit me with what you said, Ty. The difference between Elizabeth becoming queen and Charles preparing to become king is all in season one. When we meet King George, what is he doing? He is mentoring Lilibet. He is mentoring his daughter. He is teaching her how he reigns, the responsibility that goes in it. So she sees the pomp, but she also sees the dirt down and dirty in the weeds. Elizabeth mm -hmm. never does that with Charles. So all he sees yeah. is the pomp and the adoration without the behind the scenes work. Yeah. And then also it's like, it's a man who feels the need to have to be number one while knowing he's always number two. Yeah. So yeah. he's constantly wanting to be treated like he's number one because of the fact that he's not. <laughs> like, 
So he expects everybody to treat him like number one because his mother does not. And again, that goes back to the mentoring. Like if she was mentoring him to be the next one, like he would feel that all the time. I mean, th- that's what you, and then you get that whole episode, the favorite. Yeah. <laughs> and you find out that. I love it because she's like, I don't have a favorite. I don't like any of these little motherfuckers. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a favorite. And like, my man is like, sure you don't. Uh, oh, that and is it's very clear. That is not Charles. That also reminds me. I forgot the second part of my point. And I just remembered it. The other thing is that Elizabeth read her grandmother's letter and missed the entire fucking point. The point wasn't to close yourself off to people. She was warning her against what her uncle did that landed her ass in the monarchy to begin with. And I feel like yeah. Elizabeth just didn't catch that. I'm talking about your ain't shit uncle and just said, okay, this is everything. I'm shutting myself off to everybody. Except for Philip until Philip got on her nerves. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think the other thing is that Charles is in this really bad position. Neither one of his parents like him. <laughs> but both of his parents have to deal with it. Yeah. Philip is this man. Asia, well, that if you think about that, though, that's where Uncle Mountbatten came in, and part of Philip, in a way, the issues that he ended up having with Charles was because Uncle Mountbatten was his father, Philip's father figure, because he didn't have that in his dad. And then after a while, as he literally says to him, he transferred those feelings over to Charles, and then. After a while, neither of them have him. So it felt like, as you said, neither of um, Charles's parents were quite keen on him. And then the very person who was keen on Charles was the person who, you know, Philip loved and then didn't have. So in a way, I, I still feel bad for Charles. Like there are bits of it that you have to feel for him, yeah. even though I know we're supposed to feel bad for that and we always do in reality based on what happened. But Nobody liked him except for this one person. So you know? that, and I don't mean Camilla. I mean Mountbatten, then Camilla. Yeah. So, and so that's, yeah. but after Mountbatten was gone, of course he's going to cling to Camilla all the more, especially because of how Mountbatten died. Exactly. Right. And I think that there are very few people in Charles's life who actually give him the kind of love that he wants versus the kind of love that he needs. Like when he and Anne had that heart to heart, he totally missed the point there too, right? Like he was expecting Anne to join in and making fun of this gift. And Anne is like, I'm gonna tell you what no one else wants to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) And he just doesn't know how to deal with truth that comes in packages that he doesn't like. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. There is another mother we're not talking about, though. Okay. Margaret. Oh, yeah. And... I was just no, I was just about yes. to shift to Margaret. Yes. <laughs> and Margaret makes this comment, although we don't see Margaret mothering, Margaret makes this comment, I think it was at Edward's birthday party, that when they had their children posed in a picture, Margaret was actually hugging her baby, but <laughs> Elizabeth was holding her child. Like it was a bomb. <laughs> and I was like, poor Elizabeth. She she just can't get this mother thing right. Can't nobody. She's always messing up in everybody's eyes. Um, there look. <laughs> 
I mean, I think we'll see more of it next season uh, with Diana. But like all of these people, I'm like, no wonder your children are horrible. <laughs> <laughs> like every single one of them. Every single one of them. And then, yeah, again, the favorite episode was my, that. I think that was one of my favorites of the season because I was just like, all of these motherfuckers are horrible. <laughs> they all have a favorite child. They've they're they've all made their favorite child like horrible because of how they like both like treat the favorite child and give them everything, and then treat the other children <laughs> by giving them nothing. <laughs> like everyone's competing for like mom and dad's affection. I was just like, my God, every single one of them. Like, you've, you've, you've taken a perfectly good human and ruined them. <laughs> Margaret, oh, I'm, we don't know if they were perfectly good, but they were human. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to actually let Asia Bo take the lead on Miss Thatcher because. Uh, question for you, Asia Bo Was it better in real life or worse in real life, in your opinion? than how they portrayed Thatcher in the crown. Mm. Their relationship or No, just their general <laughs> or... gener their general characterization. Characterization. I I wanna say it was on par. Actually they made Thatcher a little bit nicer than well, again, not coming from the background of someone who, you know, just spoiler alert, was not found, uh, fond of her politics. <laughs> I say they humanized her. Interesting. Which is not a bad thing at all. Um, I just, it, and again, I mean, Thatcher had to deal with a lot of sexism, et cetera, and being in her position, but, you know, her relationship with Reagan and uh, a lot of other things, the minor strike, et cetera, which they showed highlight some of that behavior, which, you know, people still remember her for in a bad way. So they, they, Jillian Anderson makes anybody look good. Let's just say that. <laughs> Hashtag facts. Hashtag facts. It was just, it was so, it was one of those things where it's like, ooh, Maggie, your, your reach is exceeding your grasp. You're trying to come for the throne, but you better not miss, and you kind of missed. You kind of missed. But I did so. That, that whole going to see the family and them laughing, that I know, again, we don't know what happened, but that felt real. That felt like something it that did. could happen yes. because the class distinctions are so clear. Yeah. And it is not even that Margaret Thatcher is coming from like some upper, you know, upper class family. She's coming from more of a working class situation. Yes, she went to Oxford, et cetera. But at the same time, class is so distinct in the UK, even though people pretend that it's not, even though they know that it is all at once that anyone, even someone who say was coming from like, I don't know, a Kate Middleton type background who was raised in that would still, that's like, that's the pinnacle. So they would still find, you know, it challenging. So I would absolutely think that was a perfect way to write Margaret Thatcher coming into this situation with the Royals and looking at them like, who are these yokes? You know, they're just, they're just country people with money. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting because then that is kind of underscored in the episode where we find out about the folks in the mental institution. Yes. The the real, the, the, this is a true part of the story. The cousins yeah. on the, um, yeah. uh, the queen mother side. 
in the family. So that was interesting because I was like, oh, like they're they're basically telling us like they they are they are literally inbred hicks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And they're just inbred hicks with enough money to like put those people away somewhere. And falsify their deaths in the official family records. Yes, and it's horrifying. And I thought it was interesting that they wrote Margaret as the one who just was really mortified by it. And then to find out, oh, you didn't even need to do this because it wouldn't have affected that line of the family. But to show that any hint of any imperfection could damage the crown. Well, and like they said, at this point in the game, the crown had started to lose its luster and folks was looking for any reason to discredit and disbanded at that point so of course they're trying to keep that shit hidden and once and so i thought about this the other the other thing about charles and i know we, we kind of moved on but it really hits me that charles has never had to sacrifice in the way that um his parents in the way that his mother and his aunt have right like yeah. they really understand what it means to really have sacrificed for this role that he will just walk into, right? And I think that that's one thing. I think that the other thing is about um, Margaret Thatcher, as her just being a horrible, horrible human, uh, that the episode about uh, apartheid and the stand down, Maggie, Margaret stand down, that was the song that was played in the episode, right? Stand down, mm-hmm. stand down. Mm-hmm. It just really, it really shows you, it really tells us it's an indictment of, of that time. And it, it shows you how this, how Margaret Thatcher did not live in the world that the rest of us were living in yeah. and how she held out and did all of the shenanigans just, just to have a, uh, one particular word, like the I the thing that I really liked about this season was it really does show you what leadership means in several different ways. Uh, how leadership gets it wrong a lot of the time, and who suffers. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm thinking specifically about the episode which the man lost his job mm-hmm. because Michael the Fagan. queen. Yeah, the queen got in her feelings, and he was like, "You, you shouldn't oh, do no, this." Mike. She's like, "Yes, I can." Oh, Michael, yeah. And then, yeah. That oh, that pissed me off. That mm-hmm. pissed me off. I'm like, he sat up here 24 hours and I told y'all motherfuckers not to do this. How dare you throw him under the bus? I was so mad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he went on to have a really successful career after that as a novelist. Yeah. But yes, it was. You know, sort of using this person as the, the scapegoat, if you will. Yeah. yeah. Someone who had been loyal, who had been trying to steer you right. They like they threw my man under the trolley for real. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, wow. 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 And 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 we're super upfront about it. They were like, We need a scapegoat. It's gonna be you. Sorry. In case you were confused about what was happening, we ain't even gonna gaslight you. We just gonna tell you what's about to go down. It's you. It's you. And, and you did ask for it to be noted. It was noted, but we ignored the note. Yeah, duly noted. And because you didn't wait, you didn't note it hard enough. 
this is your <laughs> fault. So we got to get rid of you. <laughs> Again, that was one of those things that they said was slightly exaggerated for the show that in real life, uh, he might have not left. Like he might've been the one who left. They didn't exactly kick him out. Yeah. Then he always said that he wasn't the one who, you know, spread the information, but. I mean, it works either way. Now. Like if he, he's like, fucking, I'm out. Or if he's yeah. scapegoated, both ways work just as powerfully to me, but. That was messed up. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. 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 Especially because you see that moment where his like publisher is like, don't you work in the fucking palace? You ain't got no stories. And he was like, no, I would never. <laughs> I would never. Never. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I'm sorry um, to Felix, our, our Sheffield correspondent, if he what, listens to this. I'm going to need Netflix and the, the casting directors for The Crown not to cast British folks who can't affect a, de- affect a decent New York accent because, whoo, child. Um, the, Midwest, yeah. the Midwest via Kentucky that came mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. the accents, my lord. <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. I've been to Harlem. Tried. It don't sound like that here. They tried. They, bless their hearts. I was like, oh, I like how uh, <laughs> Diana is so beloved because she hangs out with the Blacks. <laughs> <laughs> if they don't want to, we do. Ain't, ain't that right? We're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I did not like the only part I really did not appreciate was when they were all in Australia and the way they um, filmed and blocked the uh, haka being performed. Almost over a nightmare or something. I did not like that. Mm-hmm. It, was it over her? Was it over her uh, throwing up? Uh, I think it may oh. have been. I yeah. think it may have it, been. Presented it as a nightmare. Like when I first thought it, when I first saw it, I thought it was a, she was having a nightmare instead of it just being a performance. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't like that. I, I wasn't a fan of that either. I was like, I was like, I didn't need those things juxtaposed together. Like, especially because the Australia trip, you know, so much of it was the people of Australia falling in love with her and all that kind of stuff. And like her very much being fawned over by all these white folks. And then like the few people of color, <laughs> like, and you show them doing their traditional thing. And all of a sudden it becomes this like, it comes nightmarish haunting it, thing. It came across as predatory, which is not what Hakka is. So I I did not like that at all. Yeah. Is it Hakka or Hapa? Hakka. 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 With a K. Okay. Because I would hate to be that person. Um, yeah, I, I didn't like the predatory <laughs> nation nature of it. I really didn't. Um yeah, that was the only. I would say for me, that's the only low of the season. I don't, what about you guys? Were there any other lows for you? I, mean, I, was, oh, go ahead. I, like, I can't really compare it to anything because this is my first time. <laughs> you got to go back and watch the others, they're really good. Season one, episode two is amazing. Best hour of television. 
I'm 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 really like I heard uh you sent that meme today and I was like, so Megan's not gonna let any of her stuff be on the crown? Cause that's would that you? was the other thing I was waiting for. I mean, would well, you? look, I want them to dramatize this because you know you know they're gonna portray her like the 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 hero. Um, cause you know, they're going to be like, let's talk about, let's talk about how the Royal family is racist on the Megan season. <laughs> so I'm like, cause these are the only seasons I care about are like Diana and Megan. <laughs> like that's it. <laughs> so I'm just like, this is what I'm here for. Um, I guess my, yeah, my only low thing was, I was just like, I didn't know the queen was this clueless. Um, I thought everybody did great. I thought they showed margaret thatcher in a way that was like you know you got enough of like where she was coming from but also like she was really fucked up like she she didn't she didn't value other women she thought she was like some sort of exception um and uh and and then everything else was about like the might of britain um, which is so stupid. Like, even the whole Falklands thing, I think I, like, had messaged y'all at one point. I was like, what are the fucking Falklands? Like, I don't understand. Like, is this a strategic military base? Like, why are we fighting so hard? And then I'm like, they some old-ass islands and no shit happen on them. Like, why are we going to fucking war over them? This is stupid. And, and it's, like, all about, like, we, we must retain the empire. Like, That's basically like, what, what is it is. Like, they have oh, yeah, so, much, so many colonies. You saw Australia was trying to peace out, and it's like if you hadn't brought that charismatic bitch, we might have succeeded. That's exactly yeah. what he said. And he said it to Charles's face. I was like, <laughs> like, I'm tired of her. He's like, and I could tell you don't like her either. <laughs> <laughs> and he said that to his face. I was like, you are bold. He's like, we almost got away from your ass if it wasn't for that melon princess. <laughs> <laughs> you and your, and your, and your dogs. <laughs> he was so annoyed, and I was like, "Valid." <laughs> so, I struggled with certain things this season. I wanted to see more of Margaret. I, I, you know, I feel for her. Um, as this royal without a, I don't know, I feel like she's always disconnected and at the same time connected. Um, I know you, you and I have talked about Margaret's relationship with Elizabeth, and we've had this conversation, you know, at least once a year. But I, I, <laughs> I would like to see more of, of her, this, uh, more of her, because uh, we know big things are coming for her. The other thing that really tripped me out is the episode when the guy broke into the queen's bedroom. Right, Mike. That man's yeah. name was Michael Fagan. Fagan. Yeah, yeah that yeah. was a long episode, and I love, and the actor who plays Fagan, I, I everything he does, I'm good with. I think he's phenomenal, but I felt the episode just stretched on too long. But that that was just me. It was a slow episode for sure, for sure. Like when it it it. It took a while to like get rolling, but when you realize that motherfucker broke in twice, <laughs> I was like, "Where's the security? Is there a camera?" No, apparently not. And that's what he's, he said, "Like this is a rundown place," and she was like, "Well, yeah. no," and he ran down like 
eight things that you need to do immediately. Like, he's like, here's eight reasons your place is ghetto. Okay. Pretty much. That's my bus feeling. He's like, if you hire me, I need a job. You know, you could help. You could help a brother out because I do this for a living. This uh, console wasn't free. Well, it was. Right. Suggested he go to the bathroom. I was like, "No, y'all are y'all are not done with this conversation." <laughs> She's clearly gonna call for help, <laughs> and you got more things to say. <laughs> you brought her toothbrush back. And like, Aren't you the richest woman in the world? It's not even electric. <laughs> <laughs> he read her for films. He was he so disgusted. He was so disgusted. <laughs> he was at Nene Lee's the ghetto. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, yeah. That was a slow episode, but it was a really good episode. <laughs> I, like, I, so, again, this is my first season watching, so there were so many scenes where I was like, did this shit really happen? <laughs> And then I looked it up and I was like, this shit really happened? Raggedy. Raggedy. She said, this place is run down. <laughs> she let me grab her pearls. What? He's like, they probably fake anyway. Keep them. Right. <laughs> She's like, let me, let me not mess with your shit. <laughs> it might crumble in my hand. That's all you got. <laughs> Asia Rowe, did you have any particular uh, episode or point in the season that was just like, Mm-mm. no? I again, I, I'm all about the guest actors. So they had Tom Burke as that was what would you call him, clergyman friend of yes. Margaret, mm-hmm. and I really like that interplay. Um, but as Ty said. Because it's Helena Bonham Carter as well, and Margaret did live an interesting life, it would have been fun to see a bit more about what was going on with her. It was refreshing to see insights into therapy. Of course, we really don't know what happened in her therapy sessions, but that they showed her going to therapy. And who, does anybody remember who she was talking to about her depression? And who from the family, which family member was she talking to? Was it Charles? Mm-hmm. I think it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Yeah, so that was really interesting to see as well because that's that's something that maybe potentially Charles ended up doing with therapy for himself. So to have that those kind of conversations on the side of those not quite main characters was intriguing. I'm a little I did not realize that was Tom Burke. I'm just like like I'm like pause everything. <laughs> I did not realize that was Tom Burke. I yes. Tom Burke. He looks Love so him different yes he looked worn down i mean but uh, i think the man is a looker but yes in this episode yeah. i said wait is that my boo yes there it is yes, like, i know him yeah. from musketeers and i'm like oh mm-hmm. no he was not looking musketeer ready 
it's that facial hair. But yes, yes, yes. I guess I'm worried with the Margaret storyline is because they're already setting up her cancer and her like her lung issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my fear is when we jump, do the time jump next season, we're going to be, we're going to miss out on like critical aspects of her story. I hope not, but I get the sense that maybe what happened. I get that. I really hope that who's playing her next season? Do I? I forgot. Hold don't. On. Let's see. Remember, I'll look it up. I'm looking it up. Season five. Okay, let's see. Uh, Okay, Leslie Manville. Come in. I'm ready for Elizabeth Debicki. That's my girl. So Imelda Staunton. Oh yeah, Elizabeth Elizabeth Debicki. Leslie Manville, a great actress, and I could see her as Margaret. Absolutely. She was in Maleficent, apparently. She's been in a lot of stuff. I know her more from. Some films and earlier work that she did, but beautiful, like just brilliant. I can I can see her doing a great Margaret. The High Sparrow will be playing Prince Philip. Yes, he the will be. Jonathan Price. Jonathan Price. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dominic! <Donald. laughs> the fact that we all like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey. And then Jonathan um... Price. Um, Dominic West will be is in final talks to play Prince Charles. They said, "Oh, wow. I find he's, he's too fine. What? He's too fine mm-hmm. for no. that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Fine. Mm-mm. Fine. I actually Mm-mm. find Mm-mm. it attractive. I find that offensive. They got to make the up for the fact that they made him seem like a piece of shit in this season. <laughs> they said we'll throw you a bone, Prince Charles. We'll have a fine man play you as an adult. Too fine. Too fine." I rebuke it. <laughs> yes. I'm not sure about that, but okay. We'll see. We'll see. And I love I love this dude uh who plays him that actor. Um what do I know him? He was just in uh Emma uh period. Um like I the minute I saw him, I was like, I know that smarmy motherfucker. Who is he? <laughs> Oh, he's perfect, Charles. <laughs> Josh O'Connor. <laughs> they know how to make, but I mean, he is a good-looking man. They do. They did a good job in making him look more Charlesish, if you would. So Dominic West can do that. Yeah. I kept saying if Charles looked like that in real life, Diana may have held on a little longer. <laughs> <laughs> so we might be able to work something out. No. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah, I, I, what else was he in? He's, he's always smarmy in everything, though. Who, Dominic West? No. No, uh, Josh O'Connor. Connor. Uh, yeah, I mainly know him from um, Emma. He's just so, oh, he's so British and awkward. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about the fashion for a second? Because yeah. I'm obsessed with the fashions. I totally like decided to do like my homage to Diana for um for Thanksgiving for my Thanksgiving outfit. I was like I was mixing patterns and like sweaters and dresses and it was like a thing. Um <laughs> and I like how because I I was reading up so much on the fashion. I like how the costume designer doesn't just like recreate the looks. 
but like takes inspiration from the looks and then like kind mm-hmm. of I just thought that was really dope and like her like doing stuff like uh, roller skating around the palace and like you know oh my god when she <laughs> when she sang and did that video for Charles oh I was it was the second oh, the Phantom hand... of the Opera yes the, uh, the second oh, hand god. embarrassment was too much the cringe. I couldn't handle it the, the cringe. cringe oh the cringe <laughs> ooh the cringe that was but like she looked gorgeous and everything. Like they every single thing they put her in, she was adorable. She was gorgeous. Um, when she started like to get a little fashion sense, like on that Australia trip and everything, I was just like, oh my God, like yeah, that I, I was immediately like, Oh, Charles is not gonna like this. She looks too cute. They shout in her name. This is not gonna go well for anybody. <laughs> not for but anybody. That's how different they were. She couldn't do anything right. So, you know, the performance, what was that? That little ballet performance to... Oh, yeah, the dance. Oh, God, yes, yeah. At the ballet, oh, God. <laughs> everything. And I'm sorry, it was Billy Joe. It wasn't Elton John. It was Billy Joe. And it just felt, or like they say, Billy Joel, <laughs> which I never understand. But um, Billy Joel? They're so That was cute. But I hear that a lot from my my uh, Irish and UK uh, people. But yes, it, she just they were not on the same page. She was more pop culture, and he was not. He was more organic and country living. But imagine someone doing something like that for you, and then you have that much revulsion for it. You don't even appreciate, you know, the love and you know the concern that was put into it and the effort. So that was. That was painful. I can understand even being a yeah. little embarrassed because I might be embarrassed because that's putting attention on me as well. But just the vileness with which he reacted was just not necessary. <clears throat> mm-hmm. If they were expecting others to have that same level of revulsion mm-hmm. with the other, like you can be revolted, but then to go to other people and expect them to just dial in with you, like, yeah, she's horrible. And people are like, and what what's the problem again exactly other people didn't see it i mean well camilla i mean probably did but other people didn't see it i don't even think if when we think about how camilla reacted she didn't see it she just knew that like look you may not like how outwardly affectionate she is but i mean you know the deal you can't get out of this and it's not like she's a it's not like she's a terrible person Camilla's thing was like also I so I think you know before the marriage Camilla was just like oh yeah like this needs to happen like I'm not getting out of my marriage and like you know it just is what it is and even if I did but even if I did I'm a divorcee and that's exactly what caused your uncle to have to give up the throne are you ready to do that too Mm -hmm. do I want you to do that And then you add to it the Diana of it all, you know? So, like, then when she realizes that Diana is who Diana is, it's like, oh, we definitely can't do this because they will hate me. Like, she's young. She's vibrant. She's clearly, at least in front of the cameras, affectionate and in love with you. Like, I will never be able to survive, (laughs) like, the press, if this happens like like so you know like 
while I also think that she just wasn't as in love with Charles as Charles was with her, I think she was also like smart enough to realize like I will never be Diana. <laughs> so there's no point even trying. I do wonder if in and I just want to get before we wrap up. I do want to get predictions for next season because one of the things I wonder is if we do get the death in the next few seasons, if we get the death of Margaret, <clears throat> and she comes after Elizabeth for allowing the future king of England to be a divorcee, when that's the very reason their uncle had to give up the throne was to be with a divorcee. Mm-hmm. I think that everybody's divorces help. So when you have uh, who was Andrew divorced. Princess Anne divorce, Margaret divorce. If you have your family increasingly divorcing, you realize that it's okay that they can still, you know, not have to give up their position for that. So it all added up. Right, but I'm just wondering if they'll dramatize it because she was begging to be with her dude back in season one, and Elizabeth was like, "If I, as your sister, yes, but as your queen, no." <clears throat> yeah. I, I wonder if it'll be the opposite because I feel like so many people this season were like, dude, you gotta, you gotta let people be happy. Yeah. <laughs> that's what's really holding us back. You know, and well, like... People, I'm sorry, I think some people were Shanna, but not the right people. Because yeah. Philip mm. and the, they're like, are oh, you gonna do your duty? Amen, pass the gravy. It's a wrap. <laughs> But I feel like Diana really brought it to a point where people were like, you know, you kind of, you have to, you have to change the way you do things. Because like, look at her, she doesn't do anything that you're quote unquote supposed to do. And everyone loves her. Mm -hmm. In spite of, in spite of her not doing what you do. And because she's royalty, she's a, she's touchable. She's relatable. She's someone who's above them but who feels like they can come, she can come low enough to empathize and really understand what they go through. And that's what yeah. the royal family never caught on to. Just, well, maybe they're catching on to it now, like decades later. And, you know, you could say better late than never. But then, like, who I forget which one of you said it, they're so stuck in being Victorian, they forgot how to be human. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you think about season three, when there was the explosion, was it in, in the coal mining town or oh, whatever? Oh, yeah, the, the runoff mm-hmm. in the coal mining town. Yeah. yeah, the runoff. Elizabeth has an opportunity then to be human, mm-hmm. right? And she doesn't. And people, you know, we, people say that this was, you missed a grand opportunity. And one of the things that I just keep thinking about in the lead up to what we know is coming in terms of Diana is, I remember the queen, they still got it wrong then. And I, and I think that the only time you've seen them get this right is when Harry left. And I think it's because Harry put them in a situation Harry was like, yo, I'm out. And then they found out. Yeah. But I don't think that this is a lesson that they have truly learned until Harry is that when people are really unhappy, it's okay, the crown will survive if you let them do what needs to be done. But I don't think that this is a lesson that they just learned until recently. And I think that's because their hand was full. I think they did in some ways. I mean, this is some, you revisit lessons in life, 
But the sheer fact that Charles and Camilla married, and I think they learned by then. That, to me, after all of the struggle, that they were able to do that, and they're pretty well regarded, and they've not missed a beat in their royal duties, show some level of learning. Because if they hadn't learned, I think they would have had an issue with, uh, a bigger issue with the, uh, I'm sorry, Harry marrying Meghan. So maybe the lesson wasn't finally learned, but bits of it has been accrued over time. Well, I and don't I know, but would they have had an issue? Would they have had a larger issue because Harry isn't the heir? I mean, Prince William got four heirs and probably a couple of more bacon. I mean, Harry marrying whoever he marries isn't a big deal unless William has it's still no a children. Big deal. Well, unless but, William I has mean, no who children. Who she is. Yeah. It's, an American. It's, it's no, yeah, an American. It, a black woman, like there's so many things that were not done before she came. She's not of a class, quote unquote, level. Yes, uh, what is uh, their uncle married this woman and left the whole the family for her, but but this is someone who's completely not anywhere in their stratosphere, so to speak. So they've learned something. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm just like. They, they, something is still not. I thought they had learned from the Diana situation, but the Megan situation told me that they had not. Yeah. <laughs> this is where I'm at. They clearly have not, like, fully learned. Probably not, but from the perspective of anything, until you, the lesson has to come in increments. And this kind of lesson, if you're talking about a dynasty and a family that is used to having a certain level of, you know, people come to them, expectations, et cetera, the lesson is not maybe learned the, the way they need to have learned it, but they definitely learned some bits around, uh, along the lines. Like, there's just no way. Like, obviously, without Diana, you wouldn't have had Megan. But, like, little other lessons were learned along the way, I say. And I'm not a royalist or, a, a, like, a fan per se, but I, I, I really do think we have to give them some level of, of credit. But, you know. So I agree, George, we have to give them some level of credit. I also think that Harry is wise, and he's, he knows his family well, and he knows when to push. And I think that he did a lot to put them on the hook to get what he wanted. I would agree with that. Absolutely. Any final thoughts? I'm so excited. I, I'm, I'm like, I'm in for the next probably however couple seasons because this is actually the shit I know. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Ty? I am I'm excited to see what what comes. I would I really am interested in the Diana funeral episodes. I you know, not many people know this, but I have a master's degree in theological studies. So um, events like that tend to grab my attention. So I'm really interested uh, in comparing uh, all the funerals of the royals that we see in the crowd. So. Interesting. Okay. What about you, Israel? Yeah, I'm just exactly pretty much what Ty and Shanna said. The things that we've pretty much lived through, I remember exactly where I was when they announced that Diana had passed. 
I remember visiting the memorial living in the UK. And I'm also interested in the whole, you know, Kate and Will, who will be playing them and how big that wedding was on the zeitgeist. So it, it just, it's going to be fun. And we'll see how much they'll say is exaggerated versus, you know, what really went on. Yeah. The more I think about the reality. Yeah. Anyway. Well, thanks everyone for joining me. I appreciate it. I will be back for season five. We'll be back for season five.